You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah chapter 20, and uh, we'll continue our, our series on the book of Jeremiah. I won't uh, go through every single Wednesday, but a lot of Wednesdays. I'd like to work through this and continue uh, where we've left off. Jeremiah 20, if you remember uh, a few weeks ago on Wednesday night, we talked about the uh, potter and the clay. And God used, uh, God spoke to Jeremiah to give Jeremiah that analogy. He said, Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the potter's house and I want you to see uh, the work that I'm doing there. Aren't you glad that God is still working on us? Oh, I'm glad that God hasn't given up on us. I'm glad God's not done with us because I have a long way to go. And uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're perfect and maybe you've arrived and you have nothing else to learn. I'd love to know your secret, but God's still got a lot of work he's doing on me and I want to let him do it. And I want to yield myself so that he can use me and he wants to use me and he gets all the glory for anything good that happens in our lives because he is the potter and we're just the clay. And then we saw at the end of that, uh, that message that Jeremiah preached that because Judah had hardened themselves, God said he would have to break them. Uh, when, when clay is not moldable, when clay is not soft, uh, that, clay, that clay can easily be broken. It can be shattered. And God said, I'll have to judge you and I'll have to send you into captivity uh, because you won't listen. That's where we pick up in chapter 20 and verse number 1. Now, Pasher, the son of Immer, the priest, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, when he heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things, when he heard the message of judgment, when he heard the message of repentance, when he heard the message of God being the king and God being in control, Pasher, when he heard those things, he was upset. Did you know most people won't get mad at you if all you ever preach is positive? If all you preach is pat you on the back and, and the love of God? And by the way, I think we ought to preach a whole lot on the love of God. And I think we ought to preach about the grace of God. But the whole counsel, the entire Bible, you can't just preach on the positive because you're leaving out some things. As a matter of fact, Paul told Timothy, I charge thee. He said, I want you to preach the word. He said, you're going to have to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And my goal is not to make people mad. Now, some of you maybe are shocked by that. You thought, well, here all along, we thought that's what you were trying to do. I'm not. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to preach the Bible. And I'm trying to show us how God wants us to live. Jeremiah was preaching the message straight from God. Pasher heard about it. And it says in verse 2 that Pasher smote Jeremiah the prophet and he put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was the house of the Lord. It came to pass on the morrow that Pasher brought forth Jeremiah out of the stocks. Then said Jeremiah unto him, the Lord hath not called thy name Pasher, but Magor Misabib. For thus saith the Lord, behold, I will make thee a terror to thyself and to all thy friends and they shall fall by the sword of their enemies, and thine eyes shall behold it. And I will give all Judah 
into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall carry them captive into Babylon and shall slay them with the sword. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we look at your word. I pray that it would be, become clear. I pray that it would come alive. I pray that it would be practical. I pray it would be powerful. And I pray that we would not just listen uh, from a, a standpoint of, of seeing what happened in the past, but I pray we would listen from a standpoint of how can this affect us in the present and what needs to happen in our lives in the future so that we can learn from this passage, so we can glean the truths that you have for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, I'd like you to notice in this chapter, well, I'll try to give you an outline and we'll try to work through it. I don't think we'll get through all of it. But I want you to notice, number one, there was an attack. Now, Jeremiah was a God-called preacher. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah was called while he was still in his mother's womb. God had said in chapter 1, he said, Jeremiah, I have ordained you, uh, I have called you, uh, you're going to be a prophet unto the nations, which so far that had not been fulfilled. He was just a prophet to Judah. But as we get towards the end of the book, we'll see that Jeremiah began to prophesy to all of the nations and God gave him a worldwide ministry without the internet. Without the computer, without technology, God used Jeremiah's message to get out to the entire world. Can I tell you, that's the power of God right there. Well, we think we're so smart and we think we're going to, you know, organize and we're going to plan and we're going to work everything out. Can I tell you, none of it even matters unless God gets in it. But I'll tell you, when God gets in it, if this work, if this is of God, nothing is going to stop it. That's the way God works, but Jeremiah is under attack. Pasher, you can see it says he was the son of Emmer, the priest, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord. Jeremiah is attacked, but this was not from the heathen. This was not from the godless. This was not from the lawless. This was from the religious crowd. Now, I'll tell you, and I don't, I don't mean, to, I don't mean to, to, to scare you here, but did you know sometimes it won't be your enemies that will give you the most trouble? And when I say your enemies, I'm talking about uh, someone who is anti-God and anti-Bible and anti-church. Uh, you know, sometimes it'll be the religious crowd that'll give you the most trouble. This is what Jeremiah is experiencing. This is the first time that he is personally and physically attacked. Now, he'd been threatened before, but now it gets physical. Uh, Pasher comes and he smites Jeremiah. He hits him. Uh, he, 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 he inflicts pain on him. Then he takes him and he locks him up in the stocks and, 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 and literally makes him the laughing stock of the city. And he is now uh, experiencing, Jeremiah's ex experiencing persecution. It's getting real now. Can I tell you, there's a lot of things that we would say, here's what I would do if that ever happened to me. But we don't really know what we would do until it happens. And it's happening now for Jeremiah. This persecution stuff is getting real. At this time, Zedekiah was the king of Judah. He was probably the worst king, probably the weakest king that Judah ever had. But now Jeremiah is being attacked. Think about this, his attack was not from a godless person. His attack was not from a heathen uh, person, but his attack was from 
the religious crowd. Think about Jesus. Who was it that persecuted Jesus? It was the religious crowd. It was the, it was the, 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 the religious crowd, the scribes and the Pharisees that, boy, they were after him. Think about who actually betrayed Jesus, one of his disciples, uh, someone who was a, a close a, a, a co-worker, uh, somebody who was a confidant, somebody that saw him and that worked with him and that was close to him, and yet Jesus was persecuted by the religious crowd. Think about David. David, who was a man after God's own heart, he was betrayed by a man named Ahithophel. Ahithophel was one of his most trusted advisors. David was betrayed by his very own son, Absalom. We see Elijah when he stood on Mount Carmel. His biggest enemy, it was the false prophets. It was the religious crowd. Paul was persecuted by the Jews. He was persecuted by the Pharisees and by the Sadducees. And it was Saul himself, Paul, who before he was saved, he himself was a Pharisee. He himself uh, persecuted Christians. And this persecution that came to Jeremiah... It came from the religious crowd. Many of the prophets and preachers of the Bible, they faced their persecution from the so-called religious leaders of the day. Can I tell you, attacks are real. And you and I are not exempt from attacks. Now, I'm thankful that most of us have never experienced real persecution like what we're talking about here. Most of us have not been hit. Most of us have not been beaten. Most of us have not been imprisoned. Most of us have not been tortured for the faith. But I'll tell you this, there are people around the globe while we sit in the comforts of this church building or you sit in the comfort of your home, there are some people who are giving their lives for the cause of Christ and for the sake of the Word of God. I want to tell you, persecution is real. Some attacks that we face, and I understand we're not talking persecution like this, but attacks... Some attacks that we face are subtle. Have you ever been attacked by somebody uh, that had a smile on their face? <laughs> you ever had one of those? You're like, they got a smile on their face, but they're not thinking good thoughts about me right now. Uh, some attacks are subtle. Some attacks are more obvious. Some attacks are constant. Some are occasional. But persecution, the dictionary definition of persecution, it is the infliction of pain or punishment or death upon others unjustly, particularly for adhering to a religious creed or a mode of worship. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 3. Persecution is not being punished for doing something wrong. That's not persecution. Persecution is punishment for doing something that is right. If I, and I'm not planning on this, and uh, matter of fact, I, I'm definitely not planning on this, but if after the service tonight, if I walked across the street to Speedway, I said, man, I've been, I've been preaching tonight, and I'm thirsty, and um, oh, I forgot my wallet. That's all right. I'll just sneak on in there. I'll sneak back to their cooler and I'll grab a, a 20 ounce bottle of soda and I'll sneak out of there before they get me. And even if they do see me, I'll run fast and I'll be out of there and, and I don't get away. And they catch me and, uh, you know, they arrest me or whatever you do for a 20 ounce bottle of soda. Don't, don't try it, okay? 
But and then I say, oh, I'm facing such persecution. No, that's not persecution. Uh, that's stupidity. <laughs> uh, that's punishment for what you deserve. That's punishment for doing something you should not do. And sometimes as Christians, sometimes we say, oh, I'm under such, I'm under the attack of the devil. No, you're just facing the consequences of your awful decisions. Or I'm just facing the consequences of the decisions or the words I've said or the actions. And, and don't please don't get these confused. That's not persecution because you did something stupid. You did something illegal. You did something ungodly. You did something wicked. And then bad things happen. No, that's, that's not uh, a persecution. That's punishment. And that's what you deserve. But notice 1 Peter chapter 3. It says in verse number 17, it says, For it is better... If the will of God be so, that ye suffer for, what are the next two words? Well-doing than for evil-doing. You see, if you're going to suffer, if I'm going to suffer, it's a whole lot better that we suffer because we did what was right than we suffer because we did what was wrong. Notice verse number 18. Here's a great example. You say, I don't think I should have to suffer. Well, guess who else had to suffer? Verse 18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Now, here it is, the just for the unjust. Now, who was the just one in, the, in, in this verse? Christ. Who is the unjust one? That's us. But he suffered. He didn't do anything wrong, but he suffered that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Go with me to 1 Peter 4 and verse number 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Now, I understand I'm talking to uh, Christians in the United States of America, and let's just be very honest. We are spoiled beyond measure you say well you don't know what well, if you had the opportunity to have three meals today and you've got a roof over your head and you have and you have running water and you have electricity you have just surpassed the majority of the world's population by leaps and bounds and you're doing good but Sometimes in the Christian life, sometimes there's trials. Sometimes there's difficulties. Sometimes there's stage four cancer. Sometimes there's a phone call that your loved one just went to be with the Lord. Sometimes there are children that break your heart. Sometimes there are dear friends who turned their back on you. And it wasn't anything that you did. It wasn't anything that you are responsible for. But it's something that you now are going through a fiery trial. It's something that is affecting you. And 1 Peter 4, it says, don't think it strange. Uh, don't, be, don't be shocked. Don't be surprised as a Christian if you go through a fiery trial as though some strange thing happened to you. Notice verse 13, but rejoice. Now they say, wait a minute, I'm going through a trial and I'm supposed to rejoice? That's what the Bible says. 
Now, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense in human reasoning, but God's word says rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Notice verse 14. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he's glorified. Notice verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer. You, you kill somebody and you suffer, uh, you deserve that. Uh, not as a murderer, not as a thief, not as an evildoer. Oh, here's a good one in the list. Or as a busybody. Isn't that interesting? That was thrown in there in that list. Uh, somebody that just can't keep their mouth shut, somebody that's always got to be gossiping, uh, they're classified with the murderer, the thief, and the evildoer. Busybody in other men's matters. Verse 16, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. And I tell you, when you suffer for doing what is right, when you suffer, you're trying to live for God, you're trying to do what God wants you to do, and you suffer, and you probably will. As a matter of fact, 2 Timothy 3.12, if you want to jot the reference down, we'll, we maybe will get there later. But the Bible says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I want you to think about that word all, everybody. If you and I, if we're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, we will, it's a given, we will suffer persecution at some point. So don't be surprised. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. How come? Because he robbed the bank? Because he, he killed somebody? Because uh, he started an insurrection? No, because he prayed. He was persecuted. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown into a fiery furnace. How come? Because they wouldn't bow down to that image that Nebuchadnezzar had made. They were persecuted for doing what was right. Jesus was crucified. And even Pilate said, I, I can't find anything wrong with this man. You've brought him here to trial, and he hasn't done anything wrong. And I tell you, Jesus was attacked. Peter was attacked. Paul was attacked, Daniel was attacked, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Elijah, and the list goes on and on and on. Attacks are real. Now you say, well, pastor, why would, why would somebody, especially someone who is religious or someone who would claim to be religious, why would religious individuals attack those who are trying to do what is right? I think that's a good question. Uh, and again, when, I, when we're talking about attacks, I'm not talking about a physical attack. I'm not talking about somebody's going to come up and, you know, hit you with a baseball bat because you're, you know, trying to, you know, live for God in the workplace. But I'm talking about maybe an attack of somebody will lie about you. Uh, somebody will say mean things to you or hurtful things to you or somebody will post something on the internet or, or somebody you've never even met. And they're telling about all these terrible things you've done. And you're thinking, first of all, I haven't done those things. And secondly, even if I did, how would you know about it? Uh, so, so why would that happen? Why would people attack? Why would a, a pastor in Jeremiah 20, why would he attack someone like Jeremiah who's preaching the Bible? Well, I'll give you a couple reasons. And this is just something to think about, something to consider in your life. 
Sometimes people attack others that are trying to live for God because they have a guilty conscience. Sometimes people will attack you if you're living for God because they know that the way you're living is the way they should be living. And it makes them feel better. It, it makes them feel a little bit better to say, well, if I could try to make them look bad, then maybe I don't have that guilty conscience. Sometimes it may be pride. And unfortunately, uh, pride is very, very real. Maybe it's pride at the workplace, or maybe it's uh, pride uh, in the community, or whatever it is, but pride can cause people to do things that are hurtful to others. Sometimes it's jealousy. Sometimes it's anger. I I've seen this before. Sometimes it's anger or bitterness because somebody has been hurt by somebody in the past. Maybe it was a friend, or maybe it was a pastor, or maybe it was a Sunday school teacher, or, or maybe it was a family member, and because somebody has been hurt, their response is, I'm going to hurt somebody else. But attacks are very real. Sometimes people will attack because of error in doctrine or error in, 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 in Bible. And I'll say this, if somebody stands up in this pulpit and preaches error that is contrary to the Bible, that needs to be marked. The Bible says mark those. Uh, that needs to be identified. But can I tell you this? Just because someone says something that you don't agree with or just because someone does something you don't agree with and you may say, I've got Bible for it. Well, good, I'm glad you've got Bible for it. But I've got Bible for even if someone is wrong, you don't attack them. Uh, you don't associate with them. You certainly don't follow down that road and you certainly keep yourself away. And by the way, if this church or any other church ever stands up and preaches heresy to the word of God, you have a responsibility to find a church where the Bible is preached. Now, I would hope the first thing you do is say, Pastor, I don't know if you realize this or not, but this was said, and I'll sit down with you and I'll sit down and we'll sit down with the Bible and we'll make sure we get it straight. But can I tell you, I don't find anywhere in Scripture where anyone is justified in attacking somebody. I'll give you a for instance. There, there's TV preachers, and I've had people ask me about different TV preachers, and I don't know, I don't know all the TV preachers. Um, but some of them I do, and some of them uh, I, I don't agree with, and some of them are not biblical. I've heard some TV preachers get up on interviews and say there's many ways to get to heaven. Well, can I tell you? That is not true. That is a lie from the devil. There's not many ways to heaven. There's one way. So I would stand up and I would say, folks, this is not what the Bible teaches. We're not going this direction. We're not following this. But I'm not going to go on a campaign to try to attack that person and try to hurt that person. And I've just, I've got too much, I've got too much to do. I don't know how people have the time. I have no idea how people have the time to spend their whole life attacking everybody under the sun. Uh, some, some of these people need to get a hobby or something or need to get, start a business or, or find something to do with your time. There's a whole lot better things you can do than spend your life attacking everybody that you don't agree with. Why don't you go tell somebody about Jesus or why don't you pray or why don't you, why don't you do something that, that would be helpful to the cause of Christ? But we must have the response be Christian. We'll see that here in a minute. Number one, the attack. 
But number two, I want you to see the answer. Notice Jeremiah's answer to being attacked. Jeremiah said, okay, you want to hit me? I'll hit you harder. Oh, no, no, that, that's, a different, that's a different version. I'm sorry. That... You know what Jeremiah's answer was? First of all, he got his answer from the Lord. Jeremiah did not answer in his rage, and he didn't answer uh, in, in his, his anger, and he didn't answer to say, I'm going to get back at this guy. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. But notice what it says in Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse number 3. The middle of the verse, then said Jeremiah unto him, the Lord hath not called thy name Pasher, but Magor Misabib, for thus saith the Lord. And by the way, that new name, Magor Misabib, it literally means a terror. And Jeremiah said, you are going to be a terror to yourself. You're going to be a terror to your family, to your friends. You are going to go into captivity. You're going to die in Babylonian captivity. You're going to see the Babylonians come and destroy this place. Uh, I want to tell you, buddy, you may not like what I've been preaching, but I've been telling the truth. And one of these days, you're going to see it with your own eyes that everything I've said is going to come to pass. So Jeremiah's answer was an answer from God. Jeremiah let God do the answering. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. You know, God's department is vengeance. That's God's department. That's his area. And you may think you can do a better job in that area, but I got news for you. You can't. You can't improve on how God's going to take care of it. And God will settle the score and God will take care of it far better than you ever will. But that's Jeremiah's answer. Be careful how you answer even your attackers. Be careful how you answer your critics. Psalm 19, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Can I tell you our answer ought to be an answer that is Christian? Uh, don't get in the flesh. Uh, don't let your anger take over. Be controlled by the Spirit. Now, here's what Matthew 5 says. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. That's how Jesus says you're supposed to answer the attacker. That's how you're supposed to answer the critic. God had this whole situation under control. God took care of Pasher. God took care of Jeremiah. Critical, hateful people like Pasher, they're only hurting themselves. Pasher was given that nickname by God, Magor Misabib. Uh, you imagine that? Uh, for the rest of his life, He'd be introducing himself, and now, my name is Pastor, and somebody say, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's Megor Misabib. You're a terror. Uh, you, you, are, you are a terror to yourself and everybody else because of God's judgment on him. I want you to notice the attack, number one. Jeremiah was attacked. Uh, Jeremiah's answer. His answer was an answer from God. But then, number three, I want you to look at the anguish. Now, 
Jeremiah was human, he was flesh, and he was blood. And sometimes we look at these Bible characters and we think they were just some kind of superhero Christians. But you know what these people we read about in the Bible were? They were just like you and me. And that ought to give us hope. That ought to be an encouragement to know that if God could use these people, God could use us too. Notice verse 7. Jeremiah says, O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed, and I am in derision daily. And literally, that's what he was referring to when he was the laughingstock of the city. He said, I'm in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. Verse 8, for since I spake, I cried out and I, I cried violence and spoil. I just, I, I, I just I preached what you told me to, God. Because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. You think that's bad? Look at verse number 14. Jeremiah said, cursed be the day wherein I was born. That's starting to sound like Job. Remember Job and how Job just said, it'd be better for me if I'd never been born. Verse number uh, 14, uh, let not the day wherein my mother bear me be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought tidings to my father, saying, a man-child is born unto thee, making him very glad. Let that man be as the cities which the Lord overthrew and repented not. Let him hear the cry in the morning and the shouting at noontime, because he slew me not from the womb, or that my mother might have been my grave in her womb to be always great with me. Wherefore came I forth out of the womb to see labor and sorrow that my days should be consumed with shame. You talk about anguish, Jeremiah, he, he says it's over. He said, I, I'm being mocked. He said, God, you even deceived me. Now, I want to tell you, Jeremiah may have felt that way. But God didn't deceive Jeremiah. God's never deceived you and he's never deceived me. That is against God's character. That is against God's nature. But Jeremiah felt as if God had promised him that he would be safe from his enemies and now he's been persecuted. Somebody's actually started to beat him. Somebody's locked him up in the stocks and Jeremiah is saying, God, why didn't you keep your promise? Why didn't you keep your word? Uh, why have you allowed this to happen? If you go back to Jeremiah 1, you have to do that now. But verses 18 and 19, in those verses, God said that they would attack. And God said that they would rise up against Jeremiah. But God promised Jeremiah that he would deliver him from the attacks. And sometimes I think we, we feel like we're not supposed to ever have any problems. We're not supposed to have any difficulties, you know, because we, we love God and God saved us and, and we pray and we say, God's certainly going to answer this. And sometimes God lets us go through the fire. But I want to tell you this, you may go through the fire, but you're not in the fire alone because he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's promised that. You can count on it. You may feel like you've been deceived. You may like, feel like things didn't turn out like what you thought, but I've got news for you. God is still in control. He is still God. He doesn't owe us an explanation. He doesn't owe us a, 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 a blueprint for how it's going to work out ahead of time. God is in control, and he is sovereign. 
we see the anguish, but then number four, it gets even a step further, it gets, it gets to apathy. It says in verse 9, Jeremiah says, I'm done. He says, then said I, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. Here's Jeremiah, he's the prophet, he's the preacher, and he says, I'm not even going to mention the name of God anymore. I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm not going to do this. He said, it's useless. I'm wasting my time. As a matter of fact, the more I try to do what's right, the more persecution I get. And the more I try to preach the truth, the more I get attacked. And Jeremiah said, I'm done. It's over. Have you ever been there? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to stand up and give a confession. But the truth is, I think at some point, we've probably all been there. You ever just been so weary? Have you ever just been so frustrated? Have you ever been so overwhelmed that you, you just didn't know how you were going to go on? Have you ever felt discouraged? Have you ever felt like quitting? I have. And if you're honest, I think you'd have to say that you have too. And I tell you, Jeremiah felt that way but I want you to see the answer. What was it that took Jeremiah from the attacks? What took him from the anguish and the apathy and what kept him going? Jeremiah preached for about 50 years and saw no converts. How do you keep going? Uh, it'd, be like, it'd be like running a bus route. And you run that bus route for years, and nobody even comes. It'd be like teaching a Sunday school class, and you teach that Sunday school class for years, and nobody comes. You pastor a church, and you pastor for years, and nobody comes. And you knock on doors, and you witness to people, and nobody gets saved, and nobody seems to be helped. How do you keep on going when it's like that? Here's the answer, verse number nine. Jeremiah said, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. He said, and I was weary with forbearing. What that means is he said, and, and I couldn't hold back any longer. I couldn't contain myself. I, I, I could not wait to get back to preaching. And what made the difference? Jeremiah said there was only one thing. He said his word in my heart. He didn't say his word on my shelf. He didn't say God's word tucked under my arm as I walked into the church. He didn't say God's word sitting on the kitchen table all week long. He said, but God's word was in my heart. And God's word was like a fire that was burning in my soul, and I could not contain it. Can I tell you, Jeremiah did not have the entire canon of scriptures like what we have. Jeremiah didn't have the book of Revelation where he saw the end of the story. He didn't have the gospels. He didn't have uh, the, 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 the book of Ephesians and, and Philippians, and I can do all things through Christ. But Jeremiah had God's word that was written. He had God's word that God had spoken to him. And Jeremiah said God's word was the difference. That's why we 
preach. And that's why we teach the importance of the Christian getting in the Word of God. Because that's the only thing that's going to keep you going when the hard times come. Jeremiah didn't say, yeah, I had a professor in college and that kept me going. Jeremiah didn't say, you know, I just, I had that, had that sign on the wall, that motivational saying on the, no, no, no. There's only one thing. He said it was the word of God. That was the answer. That was what made the difference. David said, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. We must have the Bible. Then I see the action. The action was Jeremiah got back to work. He got back to preaching. He got back to his calling. He got back to doing what God had called him to do. And then I see, lastly, the assurance. Verse 11, he said, But the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore, my persecutors shall stumble, and they shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed, for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. But, O Lord of hosts, that triest the righteous and seest the reins in the heart, let me see thy vengeance on them, for unto thee have I opened my cause. Verse 13, sing unto the Lord, praise ye the Lord, for he hath delivered the soul of the poor from the hand of the evildoers. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.